Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. Hello, it's Thursday the 20th of July. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. A major rescue operation has been carried out at a Kent beach after 40 people got cut off by the tide. The Coast Guard helicopter, three lifeboats and police were called to Botany Bay near Margate in the early hours of this morning. There were reports of a naked man who'd gone into the sea and was shouting for help. Peter Barker is a volunteer with the RNLI and has been telling us more about the search operation. Fortunately, the um, the shoreside responders were able to assist the people who were cut off to the safety of the cliff top by cliff path. Um, but of course, the concern was for the person who was um, potentially at sea. Um, so a major search was got underway, both on, on the shoreline and at sea for that person. All the people on the beach were able to make their way to the cliff top thanks to the shoreside agencies, the responders. And after three hours of searching, and we were able to search, we had to search really a small area because there was very little tide and other environmental influences. And after three hours, with no one being reported as missing or no further reports, um, the Coast Guards called the search off and we all returned to station. So presumably that man had what come back to shore and no one had noticed and he he's okay or um yes we assume that's we hope that's what happened um it's very often the case that people are seen to be in trouble and they make their own way ashore so yes hopefully that that is what has happened here and just describe to me what that rescue operation would have been like obviously it was pitch black um you've got 40 people which is an awful lot of people to to try and you know help um what would that have been like for crews yes that that was the concern it's what we call a mass casualty situation i mean even though it's um height of summer the sea is very cold this time of year and um it's difficult searching in the dark fortunately the helicopters there um to provide the illumination um but for the lifeboat crews it's a case of as many pairs of eyeballs as possible Um, with searchlights and stopping to listen um, to hopefully find them. And how dangerous can it be on the coast? Um, You know, being cut off by the tide, you probably think it's not going to happen to you, but is there kind of a warning or a message to people? Yes, it's particularly around the coast of Thanet and between Margate and Broadstairs, but elsewhere in Kent, um, there are bays where people can get cut off by the tide. And we urge people to check the tides. Um, if it's an RNLI lifeguarded beach, talk to the lifeguards because they have the local knowledge and the information. But this is very often what happens. People come from outside of the area and they don't appreciate that you can walk around a headland and then within an hour that headland can be cut off by water. And the danger is that they try a self-rescue. Um, so if people are in that situation, they should just sit tight and call for help. Don't know, no, 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 Coast Guard. We're in our busy, our really busy period now um, with the schools breaking up. Um, hopefully the weather will attract a lot of people to the beach, which we like to see. Um, but if people go to the RNLI website and look for sea safety information, 
there is useful advice for virtually any activity that they take part in, either on the shore or on the sea itself. Um, and we urge people really to um, take that advice, speak to lifeguards and hopefully that a day out at the seaside won't end in tragedy. In other news, a woman and two children have been taken to hospital following a fire in Chatham. They were rescued after it spread from a shop to flats on Luton Road at about six this morning. Nicola has the details for the podcast. Well, the blaze broke out at a premier store and pictures show smoke billowing from the windows of the flats above. Five fire engines and a technical rescue unit were sent to the scene between the Luton Arches and the junction with Castle Road. The woman and children were brought out from one of the properties before being assessed by paramedics and taken to hospital for further treatment. Crews managed to put out the flames and an investigation is underway to work out how it started. Next up today, people living in Whitstable say they've been left feeling intimidated after more than 100 teenagers gathered on the beach. It's claimed the young people have been wreaking havoc in the town, drinking alcohol and being loud. Over the past few weeks, police have put dispersal orders in place to try and stop antisocial behaviour. A man's been charged with firearms offences after a fight broke out between three people in Dartford. One of them was reportedly seen brandishing a weapon in William Mundy Way back in May. An 18-year-old's also accused of possessing a blade and being involved in the supply of Class B drugs. He's due at Crown Court next month. There's significant disruption to health services in Kent as senior doctors are out on strike. Routine appointments have been cancelled and it's claimed patient cares at a virtual standstill. Hospital consultants have walked out for two days over pay, with their union describing a 6% offer from the government as insulting. Tom Dolphin is from the British Medical Association. If you want the service to be staffed properly, then you have to be able to attract and recruit and retain staff. And as I said, we are competing with other countries with much nicer weather than ours who are offering double the NHS's salaries or even more. And people are responding to that. It comes as rail workers stage another day of industrial action with a severely limited service on southeastern trains. As well as their pay dispute, they're also protesting the planned closure of more than 100 ticket offices across Kent. Disability campaigners say if there are no staff in stations, it'll limit their ability to use public transport. Kate's been chatting to Christine Tung from Access Thanet. As disabled people, you need someone there. If you've booked disabled help to get on a train, you need someone there to put the ramp out, to advise you um, what's going to happen next. Um, Someone to check that at the other end there'll be a ramp for you to get off with your wheelchair or your scooter or your sticks. Um, And if there's no one there to consult, then... How can you be sure it's going to happen? I, th- I think a lot of disabled people are not travelling because of the the problems of booking disabled help. I'm not. I'm, I'm too scared to get on a train at the moment because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit fragile, really, at the moment because I've had major surgery and my legs don't work hardly at all. Um, but a lot of disabled people, blind people, for example, are very worried about what kind of help they'll be able to get and where to go for it. You can't go searching around a station for the the one person working if you can't see, and you can't go searching around if your legs don't work and you're on sticks. Whereas going to a ticket office is a and in Ramsgate Station they've got a ticket office which says tickets and information, 
and that's what you need. What else do you want? I know the government has said they plan to sort of shift to um, online booking and online booking system, um, self-service machines in uh, train stations, um, and also pay-as-you-go. Could you tell me why a self-service ticket machine wouldn't be accessible to somebody with a disability? Uh, there's one at Broadsess Station. I've got pictures of me trying to use it from a mobility scooter. You can't reach and you can't see because they're geared to people standing up looking down at a screen. Well, if you're looking at it sideways on and it's slightly tilted, you can't see it. Plus, I've got arthritis in my fingers. The ticket machine in Broadstairs, which is where I live, you have to thump it really hard to get it to respond. So if you're standing up on sticks, you're thumping this machine and you're not even able to work out how you get a ramp put on the train, how you use your disabled rail card and what your ongoing journey is going to be like. It's impossible. It's just impossible. There'll be more walkouts from the RMT union on Saturday. Kent Online reports. Firefighters have spent four hours at a house fire in Hearn Bay. Five engines and a height vehicle were sent to Sandling Road just after eight last night. It's not known yet how it started, but no one was hurt. Residents have started a petition to install a fixed barrier in a park in Strood to deter travellers. It's hoped it'll prevent unauthorised encampments from setting up in the area opposite Bly Primary School. It comes after a group of caravans were spotted by the school last week. Two dogs have been rescued after being found abandoned in a poor condition in Harrietsham. A male poodle and female Labrador were discovered in Hogbarn Lane and taken to the vets. The RSPCA are investigating and say the dogs might have been dumped from a vehicle. The controversial illegal migration bill is set to receive royal assent today and become law. Under the policy, anyone who arrives in the UK via a small boat won't be able to claim asylum here. The government says it'll deter people from crossing the channel. Kay Marsh is from Samfire, which works with refugees in Dover. She's been telling Kate what it was like to find out the bill had been passed. It's a very dark day to hear that news. Um, obviously, it's something... We were all half expecting. Um, we were quite hopeful with the challenges in the laws recently. Uh, but yeah, it's come as a bit of a surprise. It's happened a lot sooner than anybody thought as well. Do you think that there was an element of they wanted to push this through as quickly as they could, given that we are in the summer period where traditionally we see more crossings across the channel? Do you think that that has had something to do with how quickly this has come through? Yes, absolutely. I think Rishi Sunak is very desperate to convince people that his plan is working. Um, he made a trip down to Dover fairly recently uh, while the weather was still quite bad. So the crossings haven't really picked up again yet and claimed that obviously it was the plan that was making the crossings um, go down. Uh, but yeah, very soon after we saw the weather got better and obviously the crossing started again. So I think, yes, they're very, very, very hell bent on, um, on proving that the plan is working when it isn't. As you said, we've uh, we've seen some record levels of crossing so far this year. Do you think that this bell is going to have any impact on how many people cross the channel at all? Is, is it going to deter them from making the journey? No, absolutely not. Uh, we've seen that deterrents don't work. You know, we've been using this for well over a decade now. And just the deterrent policies have just got more and more cruel and nothing has worked. The numbers have not gone down at all. They've, they've actually continued to go up. Uh, we're unsure if the messaging actually makes it across the water, if people are actually aware of everything that's going on over here. And then, of course, you have to think of it like um, that 
the channel is a very short, very small part of a much longer journey for most people. So um, once they've made it through, you know, across Libya and the Mediterranean and places like that, crossing the channel, although it's very dangerous, is a very small part of it. And I think once you've made it that far, nothing's going to deter you. So rather than deterrence, would you be keen to see more safe and legal channels open uh, to people that come across the channel rather than the threat of sending them away? Yes, absolutely. It's the only thing that is going to work. Um, Rishi Sunak said himself he would be opening up new legal safe routes. We still don't know what those are going to look like or when they're going to be available and to whom. The only thing we've seen work um, around migration in the last few years is the humanitarian visas that we used to help the people in the Ukrainian situation. Obviously, lots and lots of people brought here very quickly, safely, legally, without having to get into small boats or indeed navigate the asylum system at all. That is the only thing, the only policy we've seen that has actually worked. Obviously, resettlement schemes are very, very narrow. Um, and there's a, a huge section of people from around the world who have a right to come here and claim asylum, um, but currently don't have a safe and legal route to do that. And the only way they can do that is by making it here and then making their claim for asylum, uh, which is why we see so many people washing up here in small boats, because they just don't have another way. If we gave, if there was a more sort of broad um, catch-all route, safe legal route for people to uh, claim asylum at an embassy or start their application online or at a process centre without having to be on British soil, um, that, that's how we stop the boats. That's the only way we stop the boats. And just finally, does this make you concerned for uh, the future of asylum seeker policy in this country? Do you feel that further down the line there will be further sort of shrugging off of their of the government's obligations? Almost certainly, yes. And it's not just that as well, you know, we're quite a strong Western power in this country. You know, we should be leading by example, um, showing people compassion as an empathetic sort of powerful country and we're not doing that. And with this, you know, modern day Britain now sees children locked in cages with the threat of deportation, innocent people um, who haven't done anything wrong. You know, we're setting a very dangerous precedent and I hope that what we don't see is other Western countries following suit and sort of just shutting their doors to people who really desperately need the help. Latest figures show nearly 900 asylum seekers have made the dangerous journey across the Channel to Kent in the last two days. Twelve small boats arrived on Tuesday and another six yesterday. Kent Online reports. Firefighters have now left the scene of a fire involving bales of hay in Swanley. It's thought to have started accidentally on land off Highlands Hill yesterday lunchtime and took about nine hours to bring under control. An injured seal pup has been rescued after washing up on the beach in Whitstable. A passerby noticed the animal in distress yesterday morning. It's expected to make a full recovery. Now, bosses at a college in West Kent say a new swimming pool won't just benefit students, but the whole community. Work on the 25 metres six-lane facility is on course to be finished this summer, so it can open in time for the new term in September. Kent College has signed a deal with a swimming club who will put on public lessons and train pupils. There are calls for urgent funding to improve Gillingham High Street. The town's MP has been meeting with the levelling up secretary to ask for money in the next round of funding. Nicola's been hearing more from Raymond Chishti. And levelling up is looking at how do we regenerate and improve all parts of the United Kingdom, north, south, east and west. And the government, and I think that is the right thing to do, to make sure that we have investments going across the country where there are real issues and challenges with economic regeneration. And therefore, for me, when you that policy is it the right policy of levelling up? Absolutely. 
there are areas in the United Kingdom where there are massive challenges with social economic uh, uh, the uh, deprivation. And for me, if you're going to do that, you then got to look at putting those resources across the board equally and fairly. There's 650 members of parliament, you know, asking for resources for their different constituencies. And it's my job as the member of parliament for Gillingham and Raynham to say, look, if the government's key uh, you know, initiative is about levelling up is to address uh, uh, the deprivation, uh, social economic challenges uh, in different parts of the country, they've set up the criteria, then on that basis, Gillingham in my constituency, the town centre, High Street, needs its fair share of resources. Um, we put a bid in for 20 million for the regeneration improvements in Gillingham High Street. And it would open up transport, uh, the disused rail line between the docks, Gillingham and, um, and High Street, foot flow across the board, improvements in the High Street and a knowledge hub. And that bid was a really good bid. And speaking to Vince Maple, the leader of the uh, Labour on uh, Medway Council, the other day, he said to me, Remy, you know, our councillors in Gillingham supported you on that point, you know, with that bid last time, uh, you know, and therefore there was a consensus across the board from the opposition, the Conservative group at the time and the Member of Parliament to say levelling up Gillingham, that bid on, you know, Gillingham open lines was the right way forward. We didn't get that bid uh, in, a, uh, in a, the funding from the government. So my point to Michael Gove was, look, if I am to have confidence in how resources are allocated fairly, and, you know, for me across the board in Parliament, in my, you know, 13 years here, I've always said we should do things on merit-based system, we should give resources fairly. And I don't want to ask any favours. I shouldn't be. You know, it's not about that. It's about we need our fair share of resources in that. Gillingham did not get that. And that, for me, raised questions on how those allocations were being done. So I then raised it with him um, previously to say, Michael, with the future funding, I want you to relook at the case previously put from the previous council. It's now, again, supported by the current council because I had a meeting a week ago. And they said, we support you on that if you were to push for, uh, push for that open lines investment into Gillingham High Street. So I wanted to have that meeting with him, and I had that meeting with him last night to say, I want fair allocation resources investment in the next round of levelling up, which is coming up shortly. Would you say Gillingham has been a bit overlooked in the past? I grew up in Gillingham. You know, I was, in 1984, I was six years old. My parents lived there. I saw the high street. You had Marks and Spencer. You know, you had uh, Helfers. And, you know, you, you saw the high street go over years, see the various different changes it had. We've got different challenges now. You've got Blue Water not far away. People have got the cars to get to Blue Water. You've got Hempstead down the other side where people can park freely uh, in that regard. You've got people going online shopping. Um, and therefore, we then have to look at our town centres and how can we create them uh, and working with local residents in a way where you bring in more inward investment opportunities and, um, and, and the retail sector that is supportive of the local community. Um, and... And for me, over the years, how do I answer your question? Has Gillingham had its fair share allocation of resources across the five towns? No, I don't think it has. So within the next round of funding then, would you want exactly the same as what you'd previously asked for? So you want the same amount of money and the plans would essentially stay the same as far as improving those transport links and, and boosting the high street? I think the at this point in time, so you've got to look at short term, medium term and long term. So in the short term, you've got levelling up three. And therefore in short term, levelling up three, I would say because there was already a previous proposal that was put in by the local authority, Gillingham Open Lines, 
which improved transport connectivity, which uh, put in a knowledge hub, skills into the high street, which helped improve the the uh, the high street, you know, with uh, public access and you know um, across the board, uh, at, uh, with a number of different improvements coming in. That was for 20 million, and that is already a worked out solution that's been put up. So I think in the short term, I think if the government's looking at leveling up three, I think the previous bid was a fantastic bid. We have to do everything we possibly can to ensure that, you know, everything working with local residents is done to ensure that our local high street is vibrant um, and we have, you know, as many people visiting it um, as we can get. Kent Online reports. Building work has started on a new sports hall in the grounds of HMP Maidstone. Permission was granted for the old hall and swimming pool at the prison to be demolished in 2021. It's understood the new facilities will include a volleyball court, changing rooms, a physiotherapy room and a new tarmac outdoor recreational space. An historic landmark on Sheppey, which was destroyed by fire more than 20 years ago, is finally ready to host its first event since reopening. Sheerness Stockyard Church has been turned into a centre for young entrepreneurs looking to grow their own business. Now called Island Works, they'll host a community open day this Saturday. Now, this is an incredible story. A cat's been found alive under the floorboards of a house in Ramsgate five weeks after going missing. It's thought Arthur managed to get himself stuck when workers carried out renovations at a neighbouring property to where he lives. Our reporter Millie Bowles has been speaking to owner Joe Rymill about what it was like to get him back. Just the, the most amazing feeling ever. Because he was he's so incredibly loved and he was so missed. And Florence's sister was missing him terribly. So when I first saw him, I couldn't even believe, I couldn't believe it was him, couldn't believe he was still alive. Um, he's lost or 50% of his body weight. So we, no one, no one can believe he's still with us. The vet, me, all the neighbours, no one can believe he's still alive, but he's still with us. And um, how did you find out that he was stuck under the floorboards? Um, there was an Airbnb guest staying at the house. It's literally three doors down. Um, there was an Airbnb guest staying there um, and she messaged the owner to say that she could hear me out and coming from underneath the floorboards. Um, we have a road WhatsApp chat and um, so the owner of the house immediately put a message on there saying, oh my God, could this be Arthur? And um, from that message to us physically getting him out was 12 minutes. All the neighbours went, everyone came with tools and food and Lee, who lives at number two, was amazing. She um, she managed to get the floorboards up and move some pipes to one side. And then he just crawled out and crawled into the room. Um, so most amazing, most amazing feeling ever. No, nobody could believe it. Nobody could believe he was still with us. And I can't believe that he was literally three doors down for five weeks, for five weeks. Um, but he was, he was. And despite, he's, he's come through everything, despite... Um, Despite losing so much of his body weight and all his muscle and and everything else, he's been on a drip for 24 hours, um, which has rehydrated him a little bit. We need to, we're encouraging him to drink as much water as possible and to just regulate his food in, intake so that he's not. When we first got him, he was just inhaling food. He couldn't get it in him and he was desperate, desperate for food. But over the last couple of days, we were gradually managing to regulate that just by giving him tiny little amounts. Um, but it's almost cruel, actually, to give him such tiny amounts when he's so hungry. But we did do that, and um, and that's really paid off because now we can leave a little bit of food down, and he will regulate it himself like a normal cat.
Would you say he's a very, very lucky cat? I would say he's used up more than one of his nine lives. Um, I don't quite know how many of his nine lives he's used, but uh, he's more than one, that's for sure, yeah. And finally today, a Gravesend pub is due to open tomorrow following a £200,000 revamp. The Grapes in Milton Road in the town centre closed at the start of last year before being auctioned off by brewery Shepherd Neem. It was bought by the owners of Bass Bar in Strood, who hope to put the venue back on the map. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.